Welcome to the Aviation Podcast. My name is Dave, a commercial pilot with a Group 1 IFR and a current CFI candidate. On today's episode, Air Canada welcomes special throwback livery to their A220, WestJet and Delta strengthen their partnership, Calgary's Hangar Flight Museum hoping to raise funds for a new roof, and our VORs going by the wayside, an interesting chat that I had with a fellow aviator. Stick around, there's a lot in store today for episode four of the Aviation Podcast. What's up, everybody? Thanks all for tuning in to episode four of the Aviation Podcast. We have lots in store today, so thank you for stopping by. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind everybody, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, email me at theaviationpodcast at gmail.com and aviation spelt with an E-H. So theaviationpodcast at gmail.com and I'll answer any of your questions, comments, concerns on an upcoming episode. So before we get started, a few things. Uh, guys, did anybody get up and practice their flying and, and what, what's going to happen, what could happen, or even just discuss what could happen in uh, inadvertent IMC conditions? Like I said, always look at trying to better yourself. And I know it's kind of tough in aviation because you can't fly every day necessarily. It's expensive. Or if you can get up once a week and try something. So I, I try to set out weekly goals. How can I improve myself uh, weekly? And if that doesn't mean I, I if I can't get up because of weather or, or whatever the case may be, I'll maybe do something on the simulator or do something in a chair flying or even just a discussion with a fellow aviator uh, that goes a long way. And, and that kind of leads me into uh, one of our topics today is our VORs going by the wayside. Are they dead? It's a great question. I had uh, it actually kind of got a little bit heated. Um, I think this gentleman took offense uh, to me challenging him per se uh, as part of our X-Plane group on Facebook. And that people were just talking about random uh, uh, books. Like so, so what? where it all started was uh, a gentleman who's an X-Plane enthusiast, flight sim enthusiast, was saying, you know, uh, how serious he takes it. And he's reading all these, uh, you know, normal aviation IFR books. Uh, to become a better sim pilot. And anyways, they got talking and, and somebody then added in that too bad that all we've learned about VORs and DMEs is going to become more and more obsolete. Well, this person said they're not going to be, they're not becoming obsolete. It's not going to happen at all. Um, and, a, and a discussion. So um, I simply just, because uh, they said it's not, they're not reliable. They're extremely unreliable. And, and I just said, um, says who who says that gps is unreliable gps is very reliable sure gps can go down if you have an electrical failure but so would your vacuum system and so would your gyroscopic system all those things would all go down uh if you're having failures in your aircraft so and you know if you you know your airspeed could you could lose your airspeed indicator if your pitot tube gets for like like you can what if failures but uh, to me, you don't base things off of the one-off failures because if, if you're having a failure, it's an emergency and emergencies happen. And you, I wouldn't say a GPS is not reliable or, or in his words, extremely unreliable just because you had an electrical failure. 
to me, I can see the same about a VOR station. If it's not upkept, it could go down. And if a VOR station goes down, then would you then consider that extremely unreliable? No. And I have nothing against VORs. I love VORs. We were talking in last episode how uh, my friend who's a private pilot, we were talking about how to capture VORs. And as a private pilot with no instrument training other than the five hours in the private license, you know, those are things that you should sharpen yourself up on because if you haven't done them in a few years, you're going to forget how to intercept VORs proficiently. So anyways, this got onto a topic and this gentleman uh, had to say that he'd disagree. Uh, Being mostly reliable isn't the same thing as infallible. Uh, Aircraft need redundancies. Yeah, they do need redundancies. And if GPS were reliable enough to be used without any backup, then why would anybody have backup systems? Yada, yada, yada. Your opinion is wrong. Um, So... And then he goes on, GPS is not extremely reliable. I'd say it's quite reliable, but far from extremely. Yet again, showing how out of touch you are with real world flying. Simulation is not nearly the same thing as real world flying. Stop seeing it as such. So quite obviously, this gentleman has no idea what my backup is. And I will not for a second say that I have a ton of experience flying. I have about 250 hours. Uh, I'm a commercial pilot with a group on IFR and a CFI candidate, as you know. I wouldn't say that I am an expert. I would say that I've spent a lot of money to at least know a little bit. I should. (laughs) Um, So we just kind of went back and I just said, you know, they VORs can definitely fail exactly what we were just talking about. And there's a reason why ILSs are also going to the wayside. And it's not because they're not good. It's because there's deviations. There's issues with them. You know, there's errors with them. You know, what what happens if you're right over top of an ILS? Like if you just hold your altitude and you're right over top of an ILS, right? What's the DME going to tell you if you're... 2,000 feet above it, right? If you're not on the glide slope, is it reliable anymore? Now go with a GPS. Is that more reliable or more precise on an approach? Yeah, it is. An LPV approach is, like LNAV plus V, is way more reliable than tuning in an ILS. And, And for this reason, when you go on an ILS, if you go basic ILS, Tune the nav frequency, fly it, okay? No GPS overlay. Once you get close to that runway, you're on short final. And let's say you're still in the clouds. You're off autopilot because we're flying GA aircraft, or you don't even have autopilot. As soon as you get closer to that station, the needle becomes more sensitive. So you tend to overcorrect left, right, up, down, whatever the case might be, and you start chasing it around. It could be dangerous. GPS, you don't get that. It's fixed in space. You're not dealing with radio uh, frequencies coming out. And as you get closer, there there being more discrepancy because, you you know, you could jump to a different radio quite quickly. So anyways, again, not saying that VORs are no good. They're just better technology now. So then he went on and said that, nope, they're not going obsolete. Well, ADF went obsolete. Everyone said ADF wouldn't go obsolete. It's obsolete. Sure, you can still have them, but they're obsolete. So then we looked at some numbers. Okay, so I have here that the FAA stated in 2012 that they were decommissioning and has already decommissioned 35% of their VORs. 
Canada, Transport Canada, NAV Canada, has said that they're following suit with uh, the FAA. The UK went from 45 VORs to 19 VORs. That's a big drop. That's over 50%. So if that doesn't tell you that VOR is becoming obsolete, then I don't know what, what is. Now, like I said, do I think you shouldn't know VORs and that they're bad and da, 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 da? No, none of that. They're great. Use every tool in the toolbox. They're one tool, but I just don't think that they're the best tool right now anymore. GPS is very reliable. You have a WASP system. You're going to be able, it's verifying every, and I and I don't know exactly off the top of my head how many times it verifies, but it's like three or five times a second, or might even be more, that you are accurate and you're verified. And now how does that work? Okay, so you know you have to have the four GPS uh, satellites to have that uh, uh, accuracy, you know? So it's verifying to make sure that you have each one of those satellites working and that you're getting accurate information. It verifies it with um, ground-based and satellite-based, right? So to me, yeah, why, why would you keep VORs? Why would you even bother with keeping them? That's, they make no sense. They cost a lot of money to upkeep, right? Ultimately, the end of that conversation ended with him saying, I stand corrected. Now, I do not want to turn around. I don't want this to sound like, oh, I came out victorious. However, guys, like, let's be real. Let's be real. They're not going to be here forever. Use them, learn them. Definitely don't say don't learn them. But they're not going to be here forever. Get proficient with GPS. It's not very difficult. And hey, if you want to fly a VOR, like GPSs have those as waypoints, right? Right near me, I have the Midland VOR. Y-E-E is the code. Type that into a GPS and you'll fly right to it. So anyways... That's my thing on the VORs. What's your thoughts? I'd love to hear it. The Aviation Podcast at gmail.com. Send me your comments, questions, concerns about that. I'd love to go over them. Next to the news, it's a small little one, but it's kind of cool. Air Canada has released their throwback livery on their Airbus A220. It's really cool. It's the old TransCanada Airways, the TCA, uh, silver with the red writing down the side. If you go to the Air Canada Twitter page, and I'll link it in the show notes, you can see the uh, the pictures that they have of it. And it's really cool. I like it. It's neat. I love the TransCanada Airways thing. It always reminds It's funny. Every time I see it, and, and I don't this shouldn't be what triggers it, but uh, catch me if you can always comes to mind. I don't know if you've watched it. Heard that story, but uh, great story, really cool story. But uh, yeah, I don't know why it always reminds me of it. Next, we have WestJet and Delta. They deepen their partnership. So, if you if you've been following this story, I uh, started a, a little bit ago uh, that WestJet and Delta were creating a partnership, so you could use your points, frequent flyer miles with both. So American carrier Delta Airlines and Canadian airline WestJet have deepened their partnership with reciprocal elite benefits. This enhanced partnership is good for elite members of both airlines. It represents the two carriers seeking to continue to partner as closely as possible outside of a joint venture agreement. While the two airlines sought to form a joint venture, and if I go on and say JV in the future of this article, uh, that's what it means, joint venture, the U.S. Department of Transportation, the DOT, sought some conditions 
That led the two airlines to drop plans for the joint venture in a scathing rebuke. So Delta and WestJet deepens the partnership. They've launched an enhanced elite uh, reciprocal loyalty benefits that we discussed for uh, Delta SkyMiles medallion members and WestJet Rewards members. Though both airlines have an earn and burn ability for miles, additional benefits have been limited. The deeper partnership will allow both airline elite customers to receive priority boarding, priority check-in, lounge access, preferred seats with wave seat selection fees, additional check baggage allowance, and priority handling. Where available, elite members can take advantage of priority security checks. Alan Belvedere, the EVP and President, International at Delta, shared the following in a statement. These enhanced customer benefits are the foundation for creating a mere seamless travel experience for our joint customers as we work towards improving our products and services. Even though the transborder network is limited at present due to the COVID-19 pandemic, these improvements will be available as a network rebounds and customers are ready to travel again. Delta and WestJet acts the joint venture plans. So this is where kind of uh, the DOT kind of got their hands in this and kiboshed a little bit. But in late November, Delta and WestJet abandoned their joint venture plans. The two airlines initially were very optimistic about a joint venture, uh, dropped the plans. In a strong rebuke, from the DOT, the airlines called the DOT's requirements to move forward with the uh, joint venture uh, Draconian. After examining the joint, ve- joint venture, the DOT asked the two airlines to give up slots at New York's LaGuardia. The DOT wanted uh, um, they wanted 16 L, uh, LaGuardia slot pairs in total is what they wanted back from the two. Delta and WestJet strongly oppose this, obviously, and mainly because the two airlines did not compete against each other out of LaGuardia. Um, So they just pretty much didn't want LaGuardia to be monopolized by Delta and WestJet, which it's not the case. So pretty much what they also said as well is they don't want Swoop Airlines to be involved in this as well. Swoop Airlines is a subsidy of WestJet. Um, They just want to make sure that there's still competition and it's not just being monopolized by one group. So that's pretty much it, but it's kind of cool if you jump between Delta, which is uh, you know one of the largest airlines uh, worldwide, uh, but definitely in the United States, and WestJet, which is arguably right up there too. You got Air Canada and WestJet in, in Canada that uh, really are running the show right now. So uh, it's neat, neat to see that, and nice to have that as well for if you're jumping between Delta Airlines and WestJet, that you know your points go a little bit further, um, or at least the. Um, rewards from that in the sense where, you know, you're a a WestJet frequent flyer and now you're going to have some perks from being on Delta. Next thing to talk about here, Calgary's Hangar Flight Museum hopes to raise the roof in a new campaign. So these articles have come off the aviationnews.com website, so feel free to check them out as well. But staff at the Calgary's Hangar Flight Museum say they need to raise $50,000 to pay for repairs in the facility roof trusses. The Hangar's Flight Museum needs a little fixing up thanks to Calgary's dry climate. Calgary's climate has not been kind to the Hangar Flight Museum. Engineers have found dozens of cracks in the roof because of decades of seasonal humidity changes. Five need immediate action, says Operation Managers Herb Grader. Over the years, there was some water damage and some rot. Graders said to CTV News on Friday, but the majority of the damage was from basically the wood drying out and splitting. Normal things that happen... Um, however, once it all splits, it's a very costly change. The museum's home is in British Columbia's, 
or sorry, British Commonwealth Air Training Plan building that was built as a drill hole in 1941 during the Second World War. Now it houses many historic civilian and military aircraft. The collection is a tight fit inside the old hangar and Greedier, along with his team of volunteers, have had to move a number of the aircraft around to keep them safe and allow construction crews to access the trusses. For starters, our F-86 Sabre jet will be moved outside. That will give me extra space to, as we're calling it, the giant Tetris game. Last November, a massive humidifier was installed inside the museum to prevent any more of the wooden trusses from splitting. The majority of the funding for the project is coming from the city of Calgary. Executive Director Brian Desjardins says $200,000 is coming from the city and the museum has to raise the remaining $50,000. We do receive a lot of donations from the aviation community, said Desjardins, private individuals and donors as well as the airport district. The museum was looking to give back to its regular donors and come up with a campaign called Treat the Trusses and sold tickets for a 50-50 draw. We raised $5,000 in three weeks, said Desjardins. So now we're going to be launching another 50-50 so that we can meet the $50,000 or 20% that we need to give to this project. Work should start on the trusses in April, but the museum is also waiting for another roof project. In December, a massive snowfall ripped the fabric of the tent structure that houses the museum's larger aircraft. A windstorm during the following month enlarged the opening, exposing the historic aircraft inside to the elements. Insurance will will replace the fabric, but there's a backlog largely because of the pandemic. The plan is dealing with their own COVID impact with personal for personnel for manufacturing of the fabric. It's on high demand, so we're on back order. It's a hurry up and wait situation, says Desjardins. But Desjardins says there is some good news for the museum supporters in 2021. He received approval from the city to go ahead with feasibility study to look at a new permanent structure to replace the tent. It will give us design and renderings and drawings and amenities at the cost, said Desjardins. That way we can launch by the end of the year a campaign to build a bigger, better permanent structure. If you do want to learn more about the museum, you can go online to thehangermuseum.ca. That's the, T-H-E-H-A-N-G-A-R-M-U-S-E-U-M dot C-A. And if you're local to that area or if you just want to help out a uh, museum, because we all love uh, our, our local museums, you can look at donating right through their website. So again, thehangermuseum.ca. And that is for the Calgary's Hangar Flight Museum. So that's pretty much it for today Um, in regards to news. uh, The one thing that I did want to bring up to kind of conclude everything, because I always like to look back and say, what can we do better and what can we do to learn more as a pilot? And I would say there's two things this week. One, know how to admit when you're wrong. I was discussing something with a friend of mine and we were talking about different speeds and things like that. And we were talking about emergency procedures. And one of the things that they said was that their aircraft had no emergency procedures. Okay. I found this kind of odd. Could be true. I don't know their aircraft. However, there was in fact emergency procedures. So, when we discussed this back, uh, you know, we said, hey, listen, there are emergency procedures. They kind of sucked their guns. Nope, 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 nope. Kind of leading to what I'm saying. You need to know when you're wrong. 
we had a discussion as well about maneuvering speeds where I was wrong. And, you know, I turned around and as tough as it is, and you have to really swallow your pride and your ego, I, I had to admit that I was wrong. Right. So in that conversation, we had a lot of misinformation, but hey, as long as we're right 50% of the time, I'm happy. <laughs> so, so that was one thing. Second thing, I was up doing some training and we were doing spirals. Now, if you haven't done spirals lately, I highly recommend maybe hopping in with a CFI if you're not comfortable with it or just going up and doing some spirals. Spirals are the leading cause of death in general aviation and commercial aviation. Spirals are normally caused by disorientation. That's the number one cause of it. Or in flight training, if you are, let's say, doing steep turns and you're getting distracted. Again, I kind of tie that into disorientation. You can get yourself into a spiral situation. So before we continue, I'm just going to ask if you were flying in, we'll, we'll say general aviation aircraft, and you were into a spiral situation, what is your recovery procedure? So I'll give you a second to think about it. What is, there's three things that are the most important. What are they? The first thing that you want to do is power off. Why do we power off? Well, in a spiral, unlike a spin, we're not stalled. And actually our airspeed is increasing extremely rapidly, right? If in our aircraft, you know, I could go from 80 knots to 130 knots in seconds, right? We're going pretty far nose down and we're getting tighter in that turn. So power comes off. Next thing, wings level. And we don't want to go too quick because we could put too much force and G-load onto our wings. We could snap them off in a worst case scenario. So we want a smooth roll level and then we want to break the dive. So back pressure on your stick or on your yoke and break that dive, start climbing back up. But again, with all of this, we want to be smooth. We want the aircraft to do it precisely what we want it to do. But we also need to get out of it quick because we're increasing and we can hit that red zone, that VNE, very, very quick. So again, you notice that you're in a sp uh, sp uh, spiral, sorry, power off, wings level, nose up, in that order. It's not, it's not all at once. It's not power off and roll and pitch at the same time. Remember to keep that nose pitched to where you're looking at the ground. Roll those wings level, then nose up. Three distinct movements, okay? Power, aileron, pitch. If you haven't gone through that or if you haven't even done a check ride yet, expect that in unusual attitudes in your PPL and CPL. Unusual attitudes, they love to throw in a stall characteristic and a spiral characteristic. You're not going to be in a full spiral, but you'll be turning, but you'll be a little disoriented because you'll have your eyes closed, flipping left, right, left, right, up, down, up, down, and boom, you are now increasing. First thing, power off, wings level, raise the nose. So that's one thing that I implore you to practice, whether that be on a flight simulator, in your aircraft, on your couch, with your friend, with your dog, with whatever. Go through it. Get proficient at it because, like we said, that is what could save your life one day. And kind of tying into last episode where we were talking about inadvertent IMC, this ties into it as well because that disorientation could turn into a spiral, which could be catastrophic. 
So let's become better pilots. I appreciate you for coming by for episode four of the Aviation Podcast. Remember, always practice, always make yourself better because at the end of the day, regardless of what you think you know, if you don't know it up in the air and if it's not second nature up in the air, it could lead to you or someone that you love losing their life. So let's be smart pilots. Let's be better pilots. And thank you for tuning into the Aviation Podcast. Until next week, I'm Dave and see you later.